Yeah, it's it's me again, and uh, this time I'm with Julie of uh, of Hi. Thorn. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, just to kind of kick things off, like, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about Thorn and and how big of an issue abuse, sexual abuse against children is? Yeah. So, um, I'm the CEO of Thorn. We are a nonprofit, but we look very much like a software company. Uh, and we build technology to defend children from uh, child sexual abuse. So we work at the intersection of uh, child sex trafficking and technology, as well as the spread of child sexual abuse imagery, or as defined in U.S. law, child pornography. Um, and we're also looking at emerging trends, so live streaming sexual abuse, the reintroduction of cryptocurrency as a payment mechanism for online child sexual abuse. Um, and then we, uh, besides just understanding this growing problem, we then build software at scale for law enforcement and industry to address these issues. Um, and just a little bit on scope, you know, our, our roots were about seven, year old, seven years old. Our roots were in addressing child sex trafficking in the United States. Um, we we're looking at you know, 150,000 escort ads posted every single day in the U.S., and the question was, which of those ads is a child? So that was really where we started, was we thought we could use algorithms and a variety of different technology to prioritize cases to find children faster, um, and it worked, and that's our, our most widely used product. Um, and then we have expanded sense to the spread of child sexual abuse imagery, which is massive and growing. So in the U.S. alone last year, so one country, and the spread of child sexual abuse imagery is a global problem, not like trafficking. You don't have to move a human. You move a video or an image. In the U.S. alone last year, 45 million images and videos were reported to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children of child sexual abuse imagery, and that came from only 12 companies. There's a lot more companies uh, that host user-generated content. Only 12 generated 45 million images and videos of child sexual abuse in one country, and that is more than double the amount that was shared last year. So looking at the skyrocketing problem um, is one of the things we do, and then working to address it. And I mean, so that, that's just from 12 companies, and there are probably a lot more companies that are hosting this, that are hosting this content, and may, maybe they know about it, maybe they don't. Maybe they do know about it, but don't really know, or like have the resources to tackle it, or are choosing not to allocate resources to that. And so that's where your your tool, uh, Safer, comes in, and yeah. you're actually working with tech companies to um, to kind of help them in that way. Yeah, um, I mean, you you hit it exactly. I think no entrepreneur thinks my platform or what I'm building is going to be used for the most heinous type of human exploitation possible. They, they just don't think about that. They're thinking about how they're changing the world with what they're building. And because of that, someone who is going to abuse a child or other forms of abuse will exploit that because there aren't safety measures put in place. So that's one of the reasons why companies don't do this. And the second is it's not cheap. So you, a, a lot of times we'll see people put pressure on companies and say, you've just got to find this content. Well, it takes building systems to find that content. 
And so that's why you have 12 companies who are actively doing this right now, because it takes millions of dollars. And you're talking about the Facebooks and the Twitters and the Googles who have the millions of dollars to build these systems. And so what we said was, okay, let's stop this repetition. It's the same system every company needs. Why don't we build it once and make it a shared platform for small to medium-sized companies? So we eliminate the, I can't afford to build it. Mm -hmm. And um, we make it turnkey in the cloud. And then, oh, by the way, every company also starts to benefit from the shared knowledge of what each other company is finding. And so that is our newest product that we just are in beta with right now. And um, we, our first beta customer went live uh, just earlier this year, um, and they're pulling content down. They're finding multiple images per 100,000 that are being uploaded that are known child sexual abuse mm -hmm. images. Because, and can you talk a little bit about, about the, the product itself? So, so already Thorne knows, um, knows about a number of, of images of um, showing child sexual abuse. And so through, through Safer, are you then, you're then kind of providing like the, the hash. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm trying to get all the technical yeah. Yeah, <laughs> terms yeah. right. So, you're doing so like, okay, so you're, you're providing that to these tech companies and saying like, if you see like this hash, then like that's, exactly. then like pull that down. Yeah. So all around the world, in the US, it's the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children has the largest repository of known child sexual abuse materials. So, and then, every law enforcement agency in the world and also a few other NGOs globally, there's hundreds of millions of hashes. So what a hash is, is any image or video can be translated into a unique string of numbers. And that makes it, one, a lot less traumatic on a human when you're having to deal with this content. You can match numbers instead of images. So imagine um, what the system does is allows any company Upon upload, they can translate an image or a video into a string of numbers, and then you can really quickly just match. Does this number match this number, which is a known piece of abuse material? Um, and if it's a match, then the company can do whatever's within their terms of service. Legally in the US, if you have found a piece of child abuse content, you must take it down and you must report it. And most companies in their terms of service say our platforms cannot be used for child sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. Not only criminal activity, but a lot of them have named this because the content itself is illegal. Mm -hmm. So we do that kind of hashing, matching. We do all the way through reporting to NCMEC, quarantining, and dealing with the law enforcement process. And so what if, what if this is, what if it's a new image? Like an image that has never before been seen, it, it doesn't have its, its unique identifier. Yeah, so we're not there yet. Um, and that's a bit gut-wrenching because often the unique image is the one of the child being abused right now. Mm -hmm. So if we have a hash, that means that law enforcement has seen that image, which means probably an investigation has transpired and hopefully that child has been rescued. And what we're seeing on the open web is just the massive redistribution mm. of that child's abuse images. We need to get to those images that have never been seen before. And oftentimes what will happen is you use that known hash to find a bad image and then the security team will do forensics on an account, and you'll often find three or 400 more images that you've never seen before. And so that information can be taken in, 
maybe an investigation's opened, it's hashed, and it goes back out. So you, now you're finding those images on all the other platforms. Mm -hmm. But this is why I know we're going to talk about AI, but this is where you know, there's some really promising things that can happen when we start looking at the future of AI and future technologies. Um, and we will invest there, but it's, it's just also incredibly difficult because think about what a training set is for that, mm -hmm. right? Like, God, how, how, will, how will you train to look for abuse content you've never seen before when what you have to train off of is the most horrific thing in the world? Right. Um, we don't have answers to that. But it will, could be game-changing in mm -hmm. this space, right? Like, if you can find an image of a child who's being abused now, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, could facial recognition technology be used in that way to, like, to try to identify photos of children? Yeah, and yeah. So. Um, in the work we do in trafficking, we actually already use facial recognition technology. So um, oftentimes, not, not all the time, often child sex trafficking victims in the U.S. are not missing kids. They're kids who are um, in foster care or being controlled in another way. Um, but sometimes they are a missing child. And so we have tools where we can take um, images of a missing child and match them in real time to our mm. real-time database of kids who are being sold online. And um, we had a match actually just around the Super Bowl um, where the missing um, kids team from the National Center was sitting alongside the human trafficking law enforcement team that was using our tool and they inputted a face of a, of a child who'd gone missing on Christmas Day mm. and they got a hit immediately and they went um, straight to the hotel room to rescue her. They missed her by an hour, uh -oh. but because our tool was able to track her, they were then able to recover her two days later because they found where she had been moved to. Oh, wow. So um, facial recognition can definitely be used in these um, spaces. Yeah, and I mean, and of course, with facial recognition, you're, there are concerns of privacy. So I mean, I guess, and, and of course, just in, in general with the with the work that you're doing, it's a very sensitive topic. So, I mean, what, what is your general approach to privacy and ensuring safety and that the problem doesn't somehow get worse? Yeah, so it is an interesting intersection. Um, where we sit right now is all the data we work with is publicly available, So, which is crazy to think that we can do all this work with publicly available data, which just shows you where all of this bad stuff is. Um, so publicly available data um, for us right now, I think, and then when we work with companies, the, the software we're building and the way we built this, we're allowing them to do a lot of the processing work on their own servers mm -hmm. and only kind of send up to our environment in the cloud like a hash or a signal. Um, because that's really important. If we want to activate hundreds of companies all around the world, we need to make sure that they, their users can feel confident that their content is still being um, managed by the terms of service that those mm -hmm. companies have promised, right? We don't want them sending content out or making it available to law enforcement. Um, but they still have the right to make sure their platforms aren't being used illegally. So we're trying to design systems that both protect privacy, 
but also work on behalf of the child. Um, we can't forget that these children have rights as well. Mm -hmm. And they sh their rights should not be overtaken by the fact that abusers can hide behind advancements in technology as well and, and some of these um, other concerns. What will it take to, to really scale this? You mentioned <coughs> that you want um, like hundreds of companies to be, to be using the, the Safer platform and, and at this point there, there are three. So like how do you get from three to, <laughs> to hundreds? We got a long way to go. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we're actually setting out on, on a big mission. Um, over the next decade, we want to eliminate child sexual abuse content from the internet. And it's going to take two huge levers. One is activating law enforcement all around the world with the tools that they need to find children faster. Mm -hmm. um, the first case I was aware of in this field, uh, the little girl was out there for four years before they could find her because her abuser was so technologically sophisticated. They knew she was there two years after her abuse started being published. It took them another two years to find her. And during that time, thousands of abuse material went viral. So we have to give law enforcement better tools to stop abuse quickly and stop, obviously, the trauma, but then the production of this content. And then second, we have to activate industry to stop the viral spread of this content onto the open web where everyone can access it. So that takes interesting funding models. So to date, a lot of you could think of the funding we've gotten as a nonprofit has kind of been like, seed funding, right? Like, mm -hmm. can this idea work? Does that software really work? Now we need scaling funding, mm -hmm. right? So just like you would invest in a software company from a venture fund perspective where, oh, you've now got product market fit, you need to go take this to the world, this needs that kind of funding, which is unique in the nonprofit space. But I would actually kind of challenge funders to think about and creators in this in nonprofit and technology to not be shy about thinking that way because if you're going to tackle big global issues you have to be willing to scale and then the other element of that is that um, we're also thinking about revenue models so that it can be sustainable mm -hmm. so that as we do scale globally we're not just growing and growing and growing and asking for more and more philanthropic dollars mm -hmm. but that we build a sustainable model on the back of it so that's a lot of work <laughs> and we're just getting started, but that's um, where we're headed. So, but, but based on the, uh, the, the beta test you've, you've been doing with, um, so Imager, Flickr, and Roblox, yeah. um, it sounds like they would be willing to pay for it yeah. eventually. Yeah. And like how much, how much do you think you would charge them or like what would be the model? We're still working on the pricing yeah. model, um, but a few thousand dollars a month. Okay. Not that expensive. Yeah, given what yeah. Given what it's that doing, you have a ton it's of not money, that expensive. Good cause, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, are you? I want to hear a little bit more about the the product for law enforcement. Um, yeah. Do you charge law enforcement to use it, or do you? With our trafficking tool, we don't. Okay. Um, because we didn't think of this model when we built that tool six years ago. We actually didn't think we were going to be a product organization. Mm. We thought we were going to be an innovation lab, and we were going to come up with ideas, and then we were going to spin them out to the FBI or others. And then we realized they're going to go there and die. And um, <laughs> hope there's no FBI in the room. Um, 
<laughs> and then, so we had this critical moment about five years ago and said, oh my God, we have to become a product company. Mm. And, and, but by that time with that product, we had already scaled to, I think, 1,500 police agencies, small agencies, mm. and the FBI, and DHS. And the cost to go back and build the revenue model on top of that wasn't going to be possible. So the, the next two products that we built do have revenue tied to them. Include, we have a second law enforcement product that does have revenue tied to it. And so we'll, kinda ha we'll have to subsidize some of the other work we do through, through the other revenue models. Yeah, and so clearly this is a, these are tools that law enforcement, they, they need. Um, what, what were they using before? Pen and paper. Wow. Yeah. So it, it was pretty crazy to sit with officers and watch their investigative process. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the victim ID story I told you about, when they, they came to us, we were just working on trafficking, and they came to us and said, we need your help on this case to find this little girl featured in um, abuse images. And we said, we don't work child sexual abuse images. We only work trafficking. Mm. And they showed us her face. And then you start working that, right? Um, and you, we sat with them for two years, and you watched them work these cases, and you, like, pound your head against the wall and you say, oh my God, if you just had like a database or one algorithm or, and I'm not even an engineer, but I could have pinpointed the places that technology could have just shortened the time it would have taken to find that um, little girl, you would be shocked at how um, little technology law enforcement has to do this work. Um, and so in both of the cases with trafficking and child sexual abuse imagery, our tools have reduced investigative time by over 65%. Wow. Yeah. And so looking ahead kind of into, into the next year or so, it sounds like the, the plan is to, to try to scale the, the safer product, maybe get more law enforcement officials. And sorry, remind me of the name of the- Spotlight. Spotlight for yeah. law enforcement, okay. Yeah. Um, what else is kind of on the horizon? Um, we're growing. <laughs> uh, so that in and of itself is a whole, is a whole investment. So doing this work, um, means that we need a lot of engineers and mm -hmm. we need to figure out how to build an infrastructure that can sustain that um, hiring. Um, and then we programmatically, we're also, um, so we, we think of our work kind of in a triangle. There's three pillars where we can affect change in this area. One is finding children faster. Mm -hmm. That's our tools for law enforcement. The second is activating platforms. That's our tools for companies. And the third is actually changing behaviors. Mm. So programmatically, besides growing, is we'll be investing and in, in redesigning our work in that space to um, have more kind of behavior change and prevention campaigns mm. based off of the data we're seeing online. So what are the abusive behaviors? How are children vulnerable? How can we um, interrupt those who are looking to abuse and deter abusive mm. behaviors? Um, so that's going to be a whole new complementary area of work for us okay. as well. Nice. And, and so Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore, they, they co-founded Thorn seven years ago? Seven? Yeah, gosh. Yeah. I think about nine years ago. Oh, nine years yeah. ago. And, then, and so then at what point did you become on, 
uh, involved in and take over as a CEO? So I joined them early in, in 2011 when it was the Demian Ashton Foundation, mm -hmm. and they had committed to broadly work on child sex trafficking. And they hired me, and they gave me a runway, which I am incredibly grateful for that I think most folks in nonprofit do not have, where they mm -hmm. said, take the next six to eight months and tell us exactly what we should be doing. So we, and the whole thing was, how do we measure it? Because mm -hmm. when they started getting involved in philanthropy, it was a lot of the obvious things where someone with that type of profile is called upon, like, come testify here, do this there. Mm -hmm. And they kept saying, well, what, what does it all add up to? What are we, what's the impact? And so uh, my background was in technology and social enterprise. And so I, I had a lot to learn about trafficking and child sexual abuse. And I spent those six to eight months just, I talked to like 150 different people um, and came back and I said, you should do nothing else but focus on um, the role technology is playing in the democratization of child sexual abuse. Mm. And so we, eight months later, relaunched as Thorn, and we spent our first two years learning, really, like I said, we weren't a product organization, and then I think really hit our stride five years ago when we realized we've actually got to build and scale and own these products. And you mentioned that, that you're growing, so hiring, looking to hire Hiring, more. yeah, engineers, yeah. engineers. In anywhere, engineers, um, but also across the board, we're, we're hiring data scientists, data analysts, um, salespeople, which mm. is interesting for a nonprofit. We have an entire amazing mm. development team, but we're bringing in folks who can sell to government and mm. business. Um, so that, and, and I heard someone earlier um, with the ACLU mm. ask about, someone asked a question about salaries. Right. Um, it is. It's interesting. Uh, we really do try to pay competitively. Um, same answer, not Google salaries. Mm -hmm. but, um, but we want people to, they do feel invested in the mission, but we also want them to be able to live their lives in a very balanced way and attract, I mean, these kids deserve the best talent in the world. Um, and so we're trying to create a place where you don't have to sacrifice just because you want to do world-changing work. You can come and do world-changing work. We can't offer stock options and all of those things, but we can pay you um, a competitive salary and give you work that you're never going to want to leave because at mm. the end of the day, you're saving lives. Yeah, yeah, because, um, yeah, Thorne, you, uh, the company, did that program through Google, yeah. um, kind of fellowship program, and... Yeah, I know that one, one of the engineers I spoke with who is a Google engineer and came to work at Thorne, like she, it seemed like it was hard for her to leave that work. <laughs> and I'm just like, I wouldn't be surprised if like five months down the line, she's, she leaves Google and she's like working full time at Thorne, but. We just hired one of our Google. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was it her? Not one okay, of her, not it? her. Okay, okay. Uh, sorry, Google. Yeah, right, uh, they're but, fine. Um, yeah. Might limit our availability <laughs> for corporate partnerships down the road, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've worked in technology companies. I've worked in a lot of different places. There is no other work I'd rather do. Like I, the the brainiac side of me loves building things. I mm. like building things, and then the mission side of me just like it, to do this work. And you can combine these two things. It's incredibly impactful, and I'm sure that's the case for a lot of nonprofits that are doing this kind of technology-driven work. Absolutely. Um, we have time maybe for one question from, from the audience. All right, looks like in the back. That was, I think, first hand I saw. 
Thanks. Hi, Julie. Um, Jessica from Annie Cannons. Uh, oh, hi. I, <laughs> hey. Um, I was hoping you would talk a little bit more about how you found success integrating with law enforcement, because one thing that we see kind of over and over again is not only under-resourced in terms of technology, but like there aren't enough people in the police department to deal with all of the pedophilia they could get to. Um, so maybe some successful techniques that others of us could potentially work with on other projects would be awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Um, Integrating with law enforcement. The first two years of integrating with law enforcement looked a lot like, hi, I have an idea of something that may help you. It's technology-based. I have an algorithm that can help prioritize your cases. And it was, ha, 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 click. <laughs> um, and that was like two years of that. And then we built it, and then we showed them, and then it helped. And then we, we just kept sitting next to them and helping them. And the, I say time and time again, the officers who do this work are angels on earth. Like they. Um, all they want to do is rescue these kids. And so if you give them something that can help them do this job faster, they will take it and adopt it quickly. Um, so it's been a lot of just delivering a product that works and showing them that they can trust us, that we're not going to walk away. Um, the, the, you said like they're overwhelmed by cases which is 100% right, which is why we're also looking at, like, law enforcement should be focused on rescuing the child. And then industry has to take a role in this. Like, there are millions of people actively trading child sexual abuse content today. Law enforcement can never arrest all of them, but companies should be removing that content and making it so they cannot do that free with no barriers, right? And that's what's happening right now is no one's checking, so anyone can share it. We've, we can't rely on law enforcement to arrest our way out of this problem. We've got to change behaviors, we've got to get companies to be activated in this, and then we focus law enforcement on the most urgent of their cases. I don't know if that answers your question, but. All right, unfortunately that is all the time we have, but Julie, thanks so much for, yeah, for joining me, you. and I think you're just really doing wonderful work, so thank you. Oh, thank you.